and the praise cure. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. When, when, when you've done all and there's nothing left else to do, you believed you received when you prayed. Hallelujah. Well, then take the praise cure. And just keep praising Him till, till, hallelujah, till forever. Hallelujah, just forever. And I've just been inspired that, that that's something we've let slip. You know, it's so easy, not that we walk away from God, but that we get just focused on one part of God. Maybe we get focused on confession or we get focused on, you know, something and we let some part of it slip. And, you know, we don't need to ever let prayer slip and we never need to let praise slip. Hallelujah. So we praise uh, God. And, and uh, so I've been praising Him. Uh, sometimes I just go on the front porch and I just sit in the rocker and I just let, the so- just let songs come up in my heart. Just start praising Him like we were. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And then first song that comes up in my heart. First song, you know. Hallelujah. And I tell you what, you can praise yourself right into faith. You can praise yourself happy. You can praise all the spirit of heaviness off of you. You can praise all the negativity off of you. Hallelujah. And just singing one song right out of after another. Some of them out of the hymn book. Some of them out of the, the big book. Hallelujah. This book. And some of them just courses. Hallelujah. And, and just rock and sing. Just rock and sing and rock and sing. And don't give a hoot what the neighbors say. I, they need to get saved. I got neighbors all around me need to get saved. Got one on this side needs to get saved. Got one on this side needs to get saved. Got one catty corner over here. They're Buddhists. We need, I think they need to get saved. Hallelujah. And they got two Baptists in front of here and here. They need to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I tell, so I don't even care what they think. Hallelujah. I see a walker every once in a while come by. You sing, they'll just look straight ahead. They won't look to the right nor to the left, I tell you. And even what's worse is usually i got my gown tail on. I'm in my gown tail and I'm singing them praises. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. But I have a little, I, I do, it's funny because I have a little, we've planted enough trees and the neighbors have planted trees that I can see them coming before they get to me. And so if I see the UPS truck coming or something, I head inside quick. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I thought, and I heard us do this, because Pam mentioned it, and I think Jones talked to me about it before. About I've mentioned a long time ago about singing the Scriptures. So I thought we'd sing a Scripture tonight. So go to, let's turn over to 1 John, 4, verse, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Hallelujah. And uh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Y'all there? Okay, just sing along. Just do the best you can, and I'm going to do the best I can. Hallelujah. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, First John 4, 7 and 8. We'll sing that again, okay? <laughs> Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, 
Knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 and 8. Now you know a scripture too that you may not have known before. Hallelujah. So there's many purposes to singing the scripture. One is to know them. We ought to have the kids singing that song, you know. Hallelujah. Singing the scripture songs. And, uh, and then they'd know the scripture. But also, I tell you, another purpose is God likes us to, He likes His Word. He's real fond of His Word. And you start singing His Word to Him, and He'll come up on the scene. Hallelujah. He don't like every song that Christians have written. He don't like them. I can tell sometimes he don't care that much for them. Sometimes they're, he's just in neutral about them, I think. Sometimes I think he wants to spit. I'm not here, but I've been some places where I wanted to spit, you know, and I think God did too. But, uh, you know, he likes his word. And he likes songs that are based on his word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I believe he likes the hymns. He said in uh, Ephesians, he said, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So he mentioned hymns, didn't he? So the so hymns are not, not bad. They're good. Some of them. Most of them. A lot of them. I, I, I mean, I know a lot that are, and some hymns I don't even know. You know, and every denomination sings different hymns. May have the same basic ones in the hymn book, but the Baptists never sing that one. You know, or in every Baptist church, the, whatever the song leader likes, that's what you're going to sing, you know. So I don't know ever him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, tonight we're going to talk about our relationship to money. Now that's a little bit of a shift of gears. We've been talking about what have been faith for finances or faith for prosperity. And we're still talking about that subject. But we've been talking up until this point about the blessing and uh, 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 just and how 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 to think about that that God wants to bless us. How to understand that God wants us prospering. Believing that God wants you to prosper is the number one step. If you don't believe He cares, or if you believe He likes to keep you, He really likes to keep you poor and humble. Then you're not ever going to be able to get the fullness of what God wants to do in your life. Most, I think, a lot of Christians just think God's in neutral about it. But God said, I, Beloved, I desire above all things that ye might prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospereth. Hallelujah. Y'all agree with that? Okay. So tonight we're going to take a little shift of gears and talk about our relationship to money. And that means that our relationship to money in how we think about it. Because how you think about money is the relationship that you have with money. And we need our relationship with money to be right. And also it has to do with how our relationship to money in how we think about it and how we think about it concerning other people who are in our life. And so uh, we'll start over with Romans 12, 2. I'll start there tonight. Romans chapter 12, glory to God. Romans 12, 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we need mind renewal in how we think about money. Mind renewal in, in our relationship with money. Hallelujah. We need a healthy relationship with money. Having healthy attitudes towards money. And so we'll talk about that in detail tonight. I wanted to start uh, 
with the fact that we tonight we're going to do some things and say some things that will help us straighten out our relationship with money. And we're going to give you some scriptures, but then we're going to get to a part where we just give you some thoughts. And uh, But we're going to give you some scriptures to start out with here tonight. We're going to have a financial attitude adjustment tonight. We need an attitude. In fact, I'm going to warn you ahead of time, tuck your toes in just a little bit behind the, 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 the legs of your chair because you might get them chopped off if, if, if you don't hide them because we're going to do what I call, we're going to, um, we're, hallelujah, we're going to shuck the corn tonight. Hallelujah. We're going to go where the rubber meets the road. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, money, it, money and how we have a relationship with it, money issues can be either a source of great stress and pressure, or it can be a source of, of, of a very, it, it's a very good way to, for us to demonstrate our faith. Hallelujah. And so it can be a source of stress and pressure, or it can be a source of, of a demonstration of faith and, and courage and, uh, and uh, understanding of the Word of God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> the role that money has in our lives will control our lives. It'll control our attitudes and can try to control our emotions. So we need to get it all worked out, don't we? So turn over to Matthew chapter 6 to start off with. And let's settle this tonight. We're going to settle the fact that we serve God and money serves us. We serve God and money serves us. Matthew 6, verse 24. Now this is going to be good tonight. It's going to help you. And I know that you're going to know a lot of it, but there's going to be some things that you never thought of. I mean, I had to say, you know, that's a, when I was going through some of these attitudes towards money, I had to say, you know, I need to clear that area up myself. And so you, I know there's going to be some for you too. Matthew 6, verse 24. Get over here real quick. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Or you cannot serve God and money. Or another translation says you cannot serve God and riches. You cannot serve both. So we don't serve money. We serve God. Money serves us. Hallelujah. Uh, Genesis 1, 29. Well, just a second. Maybe if I, is there anything else in here I want to read? Okay. Let's, uh, let's pick up in verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body. Say, take no thought, take no thought. for your life. What ye shall put on is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment or clothing. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Or by taking thought, uh, and this is, a, this is not just a thought, this is a worried thought, or a distracted thought, or a a concerned thought. This is not just thinking, you know, because God would have us think, 
how am I going to sow today? How am I going to, you know, uh, God, give me a witty idea. He would give us a thought of a witty idea for money, but He wants us to take no concerned thought, no worried thought, okay? Because you cannot take a worried thought and add anything to your life. Verse 28, And why take ye thought for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Did you ever see anything prettier than a lily? I mean, the lilies are blooming. The lilies are blooming, aren't they, Joan? My lilies are blooming. Hallelujah. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. There's nothing prettier than a flower. I have never seen a dress that was prettier than a flower. Hallelujah. So he's telling us that. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no worried thought or concerned thought or distracted thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Now, when the word talks about Gentiles, it's not talking about... uh, it's talking about uh, the unsaved there. This is what the unsaved seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's very simple, pa- uh, family. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. If you never want to have a lack in your life, seek first the kingdom. Hallelujah. If you always want God to clothe you and feed you and take care of you, then seek first the kingdom. Put it first. First means above all else. The kingdom above all else. The kingdom of God above all else. Seek first the kingdom. Not behind everything else. Not if you have nothing else going. But seek first the kingdom. Hallelujah. Turn to Genesis one twenty nine. Let's find out something else about uh, money or seed we're going to talk about now. You know, the Bible speaks of seed in two ways. It speaks of it as, well, three ways, actually. It speaks of it in an agricultural sense, just as seed, like you'd go find a corn seed. or a, But it also speaks of seed, the, the Word of God as seed. And then it speaks as mo- of money as seed. And uh, because the... Bible is a, a agricultural book, or a, um, it's wrote in that form to an agricultural society. Uh, they, uh, when when he talks about seed to them, he then I, we don't use our seed now to pay bills and to barter. So now we would have to translate that into meaning our money, you know, our finances. So <clears throat> Genesis one twenty nine. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Seeding seed. I've given you every bearing seed. There is, in my margin, it says seeding seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of the tree, yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. So in the very first chapter of Genesis, God gave man seed. So if he gave us seed, first thing, we must be going to need seed. You know, it must be going to take seed to get done what God has called us to do. Because he gave us seed. He gave us seed. 
a very first rattle out of the box. Now turn to Psalm 104. So the seed was designed by God to serve us. The seed serves me. I don't serve the seed. Say, I don't serve money. I serve God. Money serves me. Hallelujah. Psalm 104, verse 14. Mark these scriptures in your Bible so when you read through there next time, you'll, they'll get, they'll, you'll remember them. He causes, he causeth the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man. Right there. The seed. That's the seed. Out by herb, right seed in your Bible. If you write in it. For the service of man. Seed for the service of man. That he may bring forth food, fruit, food out of the earth. He gave us seed so that we could bring forth what we need. He brought, he gave man seed to, he gave it, he said, for our service. I love that. For the service of man, that he, that I could take that seed and bring forth food or all my needs, not just food, but all my needs. I can bring that forth with seed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mark 10, verse 17. You know, it's real obvious if you'll think of it in the agriculture sense, you know, we're not supposed to eat our seed, not our seed for seeding seed. Sometimes it's, you can't tell the difference. In some vegetables, like for instance in a peach, you would never eat the seed, would you? I hope not. <laughs> you might be sorry if you did. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know sometimes you've even, have you ever gotten off a little piece of it? It doesn't taste good and it, and it's hard. And uh, so we don't eat the seed. It's real obvious to it. Don't eat your peach seed, but we eat part of it, don't we? But the seed for seeding part, we don't eat. Well, when it comes to money, we have to, we have to divide. We have to discern. We have to discern by the Holy Ghost, okay, what's the sowing part? What's my seeding part? What's my eating part? But before that, we have to tithe. Now, the tithe is not the seed, and the seed is not the tithe. The tithe honors God. It serves Him. It says in Malachi, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse that there might be meat in mine house. So the tithe is to serve God. And his house. But we just read where the seed is to serve you. And that's how you know that the tithe, when you tithe, you didn't sow seed. And when you sowed seed, you didn't tithe. So get it straightened out and, 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 and do both. Hallelujah. Because even though the tithe is to serve God and is to honor him and is to bring meat into his house, it also has benefits attached to it. And one of the benefits is the tithe protects the harvest on the seed. Think about it. He said, your vine will not cast its fruit before its time. So the tithe actually protects the seed that you sow. The tithe says, the tithe says I'll open to you a, a, a window in heaven and pour you out a blessing. That word blessing, well, you know, it could be any kind of blessing, but really what the word means is benediction. And benediction is a spoken word. Actually, it's the ending word. It's the final word. If you have, would you say the benediction today? A lot of services, I know in our Baptist church, we had a bulletin and the very last line said benediction. And it would tell who was going to pray it sometimes. 
Hallelujah. I mean, we had an order of service. And we didn't get out of it either. Hallelujah. And so we had that benediction. You know, we had the the offertory and the we had the prelude and the postlude and the doxology. We had to sing the doxology. I like the doxology. Not against that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Just sing it on the, up a storm on your front porch all you want to. I like it. And so... Uh, but we have, we had that benediction. It was the final word. So God says, I'll pour you out a final word. I'll give you the final word. The devil doesn't have the final word. God has the final word if you're a tither. Amen. Hallelujah. So the final word, the benediction. And so when you get a, you know, if, if we have a man of God come in, a prophet, he comes into the church, you know, a lot of people would rather have the prophet give them a hundred dollars, but I'd rather have the word. I'd rather have a word in season. The Bible says a word in season is like apples of gold and settings of silver. In other words, it words, it's worth something. It'll take you to the next place. It'll get you out of Seminole to Alabama. Hallelujah. It'll get you from Birmingham to Tuscaloosa. Lucia, I can't even talk tonight. It'll get you someplace. It'll get you out of debt into prosperity. Hallelujah. It'll, it, when the doctor says, when the doctor says you can't have children, it'll get you a baby. The word of the prophet can open the womb. Hallelujah. It can open a door that's been shut to you. So don't ever esteem getting a hundred, a hundred dollars won't last you till tomorrow. You can go eat out one time. And then you might get to go for ice cream. I don't know, though. I took my little granddaughter. I hadn't been for ice cream in over two years. And so I took my little granddaughter for ice cream the other day. I said, what do you want, Caitlin? This is at Dairy Queen. She said, I want the peanut buster parfait. I looked up at that, and it was $4. And I was like, I just, my mouth ain't hung open. It's like, oh, my word. $4 and something. How do people with five kids ever go out for ice cream? Well, they have to believe God. That's how they do. Hallelujah. So we can believe God and prosper. And so I just said, okay, whatever you want. And fished for the 20 instead of the, the 10, you know. Hallelujah. So praise God. Um, so there's a benefit to the tithe. But the benefit of the tithe is not the same as the seed. The seed brings a harvest. The seed, when you go into your field, you sow. You know, the Bible says we're going to sow bountifully. It's just agriculture. It's just mathematics, folks. It's not gotten up in heaven. It's like you want to put two corn seeds in the ground or you want to put a hundred. We always overplant at our house. I'm not, I'm talking about you know, I, we sow bountifully. We sow more in the, we sow more financially than we believe we can afford. We do. We go, you go way and beyond. Cause we always are like, if God doesn't do something quick, <laughs> we're in trouble. So we better sow a seed. Hallelujah. Need a breakthrough. Sow a seed. But even in our garden and home, you know, if it says plant the plants 10 inches apart, we'll plant four in that space. And that's why we have, overflow in every flower bed we got monkey grass that is just gone crazy <laughs> anyway i don't know we just have this thing about sowing big and it gets on us and we we can't buy one plant no we, we can't buy one day lily joan no we'll buy five you know and I just going to have to dig up a whole yard and plant it in day lilies because i just love them so much hallelujah okay <clears throat> 
So uh, let's go to uh, uh, Mark 10. We, did we get there? Verse 17. Okay, here is an example in Mark 10, 17 of a man serving money. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one. That is God. So did Jesus said to him, you know what Jesus really said to him? He said, you, do you realize that when you call me good, you're calling me God? And he was. He was God. He was God's son. And, and you know, see, they don't look at it like we do in the Bible. Like, for instance, Abraham had Isaac. And Isaac had uh, uh, Jacob and Esau, right? So... Abraham was Isaac's father. But Jacob and Esau, in the Hebrews, are, the Jews are this way. The, Jacob and Esau did not call Abraham their grandfather. He was their father. He is father Abraham to every Jew. He is not grandfather, great, 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 grandfather. He's not that. He's father Abraham. Hallelujah. So when, he, when you say son of God in the Bible, that's why they said, oh, that's blasphemy. You're calling yourself God. And so he said, do you realize you just called me God? Because you said good. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear fault witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus beholding him, loved him, loved him, loved him. Not he didn't want to punish him. He loved him. He was, the Bible says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. So God, what, Jesus wasn't fixing to hurt him because love doesn't hurt you. Hallelujah. I like that. Jesus, it, loving him, loving him, I love it, uh, said, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. Now, in all likelihood, now, religion has taught that he said, sell everything you have. But in all likelihood, that's not really what God said. What he said was, whatever you have loose here to sell, go sell it and give to the poor. He could have been saying that. Hallelujah. Uh, it is rare for God to have somebody sell everything. Everything. If he, everything would mean take your clothes off and go naked. Sell everything. Take your wife's clothes off. She's got to go naked too, and your kids. I mean, that, I mean, it's not saying that. That's religion. Okay, but he did tell him to sell, go sell what you have. What you have that can be sold right now, go sell it. And, and, and give it to the poor. Told him where to give it, and come follow me. And the Bible says he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Hallelujah. So that man was serving money. Hallelujah. He had a wrong relationship with money. And Jesus said, now if you're going to inherit eternal life and, and follow me and be with me, you're going to have to get a right relationship with money. That's why a lot of Christians are following afar off. You know, it says Peter followed afar off. Well, we can follow way back. And a lot of Christians are because they don't have a right relationship with money. They're actually Christians that don't come to church till the offerings take, purposefully. You know, 
I, they, uh, I heard David Horton say this, and I know it's true. They will put empty envelopes in so it looks like to the people that they gave, but the envelope's empty. They'll put all sorts of junk in envelopes. I mean, I don't. that doesn't happen here, but I have seen it happen a couple of times. And I heard David Horton talking about it the other day when I was listening to one of his, one of his CD or tapes. Hallelujah. So, uh, wrong relationship with money. Turn to Mark chapter 12. This is an example of, a mon of, a, uh, of money serving a woman. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Hallelujah. And Jesus sat over against the treasury, beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. Jesus sat there and watched how they, were, how they gave their money. And he said a lot of them were really, the rich people were, some of them were giving a lot. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make, the, make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did was cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. All that she had to live on, she cast it in. Well, she was not serving money. She was trusting God. She was serving God and trusting God and not trusting in money. You know, when you're down to two mites, you might as well give it all. You might as well be the widow. Because, you know, sometimes we put our trust in such flimsy amounts. Hallelujah. Well, we're not even supposed to put our trust in big amounts. But why would we trust in two dollars? Well, you know, I might need gas. Well, why don't you believe for the miracle? You'll never see the miracle till you cast it in. The word cast there, I've heard people say, means she went up there and she threw it in. You know, we need to get involved in our giving. When you, 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 you should have some emotion about it. If you've never gave till it scared you, you hadn't gave enough yet. If you've never gave till you went, oh my word, the next day, because see, under the anointing, you'd just about do anything. Hallelujah. But it's good when you gave so much that the next day you got to have something. you got to go to the Scriptures and reassure yourself. I remember when Eric, you know, I talk about our kids having money. Well, they were always givers. They were always sowers. And I didn't beat them and make them to do it. You, you know, youth, wake up. This is not a... This is, you know, mom can't work the gospel for you. Mom can't get saved for you. Daddy can't get saved for you. Daddy can't work the gospel for you. Now, of course, he's going to feed you, but you've got to sow your own seed and tithe your own tithe. And the Bible doesn't say, now, when you're 18 and you graduate from high school or when you're 24 and graduate from college or 28, as some like to go that long, but uh, and graduate from college, then start tithing. No. The first dollar that they're given should be tithed out of. And you should teach them in the nursery. They And we get those little nursery envelopes. And they have a dime or a quarter or 50 cents in them. And, and that's why parents should pay allowances. is so they can learn to be masters and stewards over money when they're babies. And then when they're in children's church. And you know when they're little, you have to remind them. And you have to count it, help them count it out. And you have to, all those things you have to do. But we're, that's what we are, is to train our children. If we don't train our children to tithe, we've dropped the ball. We have dropped the ball. Because they, you think, well, when they get old, they'll do it. No, they won't. 
be less likely. I mean, God can get it to them finally, but it's going to be a lot easier if we just get it to them when they're young. Amen. So uh, we got to get involved. And I was going to tell this story. Well, Eric was in high school, I believe, about a senior. He might have been a freshman in college, but I think he was a senior in high school. And he went to Birmingham without us to a meeting. And the man of God was there, and they were calling on offerings. And he got inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he gave, he sold a thousand dollars. And then he came home the next day, and he started kind of sweating over his life. Did I hear God? You know, Mom, Dad, I did this. Did I hear God? Well, did you have the money, Eric? Well, yeah. I said, Well, you know, yeah, amen. You can't go wrong sowing seed. And we encouraged him in his faith. I tell you what, I'm telling you. It, it, uh, doors open. You never know what seed, what door a seed is going to open. Hallelujah. And you know, I can tell you for sure, if you don't sow anything, God don't have anything to multiply. Somebody said it this way, zero times zero is always zero. So God can't multiply zero. It don't matter if it's, He wants to do the hundredfold on it. He can't, the hundredfold on zero is zero. Hallelujah. Some people are just trying to get a blessing without doing the word. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm, I'm on that tonight. Um, so this woman, she did what 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says to do. He that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. She sowed bountifully. Hallelujah. She fulfilled that scripture. 1 Timothy 6, 10. We'll talk now about how we conduct ourselves with money. First of all, let me just say, don't ever, 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 ever be dishonest with money. Don't ever, ever, ever know that the clerk gave you too much money back and walk out of the store. This, it's a test. It's a test. It's a stewardship test. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it will have, you will have this test and you will have to pass it several times. And then after a few years, you may not see that happen again. All of a sudden it'll happen again. And you're say, God's saying, are you still on your toes? Are you still as honest? Are you still pure of heart? You want to guard your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. You want to be perfectly honest with money. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I have a fear of God. We taught our kids in the Christian school. Have a fear. Boy, if they found money on the playground, whose money was it? We'd ask them. God's money. They would always find money on the playground. But, and you know, it came out of their pockets probably because they were playing. But once it hit the ground, it, once it hit that holy ground on that church property, guess what it was? God's money. Hallelujah. They turn it in. Hallelujah. Teach your kids to fear God. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, you know, some people might say, well, when we say money cometh, Money cometh to me now in Jesus' name, that that's coveting money. But that's not true. We're trying, when we say that, we're calling the harvest in on the seed we've sown. We're not, covet means to be envious of what someone else has and to want it. Like the Bible says, thou shalt not covet another man's wife. 
That's wanting something that doesn't belong to you. And so when you're covetous of money, you're wanting something that doesn't belong to you. And so the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. So remember that anytime you see somebody doing something evil on TV, when you see a politician do something evil, guess what? It always goes back to the root. It's the root of all evil. It's the root of all evil. So actually had something to do with what went on the garden on in the garden with Satan and Adam. That Satan was lusting and coveting something that had a root of money. I mean, I guess he had seen the glories and the riches of heaven, possibly. And he wanted that. He, we say he wanted the worship. Well, he did, but the root of it was he wanted the money. And a lot of times people that have money get a sort of worship. You know, we will think highly of ungodly men because they have money sometimes. We will overlook their uh, flaws and their character flaws because they have money. Hallelujah. While some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Hallelujah. Turn to, no, stay right there, but go to 17. Verse 17. Char charge them that are rich in this world. So this is how we handle ourselves. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded or snooty, we could say. To me, high-minded would mean snooty. Got your nose in the air. Think you're better than other people. Hallelujah. Be not high-minded. Also, charge them that not to trust in uncertain riches. How many would you say that money is uncertain? Hallelujah. Very uncertain. Money right now is uncertain. The stock market is very uncertain. It can take a dive in one day. We've seen it do it over and over and over and over again. And all that, sometimes all it takes is, you know, uh, well, I won't go into that, but you know, something the government does, some little something somebody says, something, you know, sometimes it doesn't even seem like it has to amount to much. We may not even understand the significance of what somebody said or what North Korea did or what Iran did or what Iraq said. And the stock market will just hit, you know, it's uncertain. And money is, you know, people say that, uh, that the dollar, well, we know the dollar is not near as valuable as it used to be. And they're printing too much money. You know, the answer, they, they answer inflation by just, they answer uh, recession, I mean, to, to kill recession, they just print a bunch of more money, you know, and, and there's no, our money's not backed by gold in the United States, so it's very uncertain. Hallelujah. And the, well, you say, well, I'll get gold. Well, the price of that's uncertain too, you know. Hallelujah. So it's just uncertain. Riches of this world are always going to be uncertain, always have been uncertain, and always will be. The only riches that are not uncertain are the treasure that you lay up for yourself in heaven. That's the seed that you sow into heaven and to heaven's kingdom, into the kingdom of God. It will never be uncertain. It will always be there. It will always be multiplying. It will always be available to you. And if God can't get it to you any other way, He'll say, go put a, a fish hook in the, the Tuscaloosa river, the black warrior, and some, I guarantee you there's money in that river. No telling what else. Diamond rings and everything else. Hallelujah. I have a diamond ring somewhere in this world that got lost. Never could find it. Hallelujah. But the angels know where it is at. It could be laying on your counter tomorrow morning. Hallelujah. Couldn't it? Hallelujah. I mean, I've had things turn up that I'm like, I don't know. 
where this came from. But in the living God, don't trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. He, he gives us richly, richly, rich things. He gives us all things richly, all things to enjoy. Why does He give us these blessings? To enjoy. Hallelujah. I like that. Praise God. So the love of money is the root of all evil. Say, I don't love money. I love God. Say, I don't trust money. I trust God. Say, I'm a giver of money, not a taker. Say, money is a tool to help others. So I say this, I settle this issue right now. I adjust my financial attitude. I do not work for money. Money works for me. Money doesn't control me. I control money. Money doesn't rule me. I rule money. Money doesn't dominate me. I dominate money. I fearlessly tithe as I am told. I boldly give as I am led. Money, you serve me. Money, you obey me. Money, you multiply, increase, and produce maximum harvest. Harvest, I command you to come to me now in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Did you notice that, uh, that we tithe as we are told, we give as we are led? I thought that was especially special. Hallelujah. Now, to finish up tonight, we're not through yet. I want to talk about money issues, and these are ways of thinking. See, because of our upbringing and because of the world system that we live in, we get paradigms in our thinking. A paradigm is just a way of thinking. And unless you break out of the paradigm of the way you think now by renewing your mind, you will always, it, they, you will have that what they call a form of insanity. You will expect something different but keep doing the same thing. So we all have to break out of our paradigm or our way of thinking. We have to be willing to change. We have to have God, ask God to help us to change our minds. Lord, one of the things you can say is, Lord, Father, anywhere I'm wrong, correct me. Anywhere I'm wrong in my thinking. The Holy Spirit will begin to tweak your ears so that when you hear somebody say something wrong, you'll notice that's not right. You'll, it'll just something will scratch inside you. You may have to think about it for a minute to think why it's not right. But you'll know that's not right. Sometimes I've, I've heard my own self say things and I went, that's not right. That's not right. And I had to think about what did I confess that, I, that wasn't right. So the Holy Spirit's our helper. Other Christians can be our helper. Teachers are our helpers. So we're going to go through some money ways of thinking that are wrong thinking. The fear of letting go of money. I won't spend it and I won't give it. That's a bad way of thinking. That's not Bible thinking. Critical of people that enjoy money or things. People that enjoy things. Won't even, I've known people that won't even supply their own families well. Because they just couldn't let go of money. Not because they didn't love their kids, but they had a wrong attitude, a wrong relationship with money, and they couldn't let it go. Uh, spend it on myself, but I won't share it. You ever see that attitude? Or I will share it only with my family. Bless me, my four, no more. You know that attitude? I, I can give it, but I won't spend it on myself. There's some people that can give it away, they can help the poor, but they cannot go buy themselves something nice, even if they have the money. 
spend it, but I won't give it. There's some people who can spend it, but they can't stand to give to anybody. They are, well, we'll get to that. Um, give it only for extreme need. If you can only give into extreme need, you have a wrong relationship with money. Especially if you cannot bless anyone who seems to be already blessed. You know, even if somebody's already blessed, if they're sowing seed, they deserve a harvest. And sometimes the best ground you can sow into is somebody that's already blessed. The poor is not the best ground. In fact, God, when you read about the alms, God never promises multiplication for giving to the poor. He only promises multiplication in giving into good ground. He, he promises that if you give to the poor, He will repay. And that's all He promises. You study it out for yourselves. So if you cannot give into people who are already blessed... Uh, that can be a sign of jealousy. It can also, I tell you something, you know what? One reason we need to give into people that are already blessed is because the rich need to be loved too. Sometimes the rich are the least loved of all people. People are jealous of them. People are critical of them. People are, uh, you know, people uh, are always trying to bum off of them. Strangers are asking them for money and to finance their business. And, and they, you know, there's people that have the guts just to walk up to a risk person and ask for a grant, you know. <laughs> you know, just uh, hallelujah. Uh, uh, next one is people that will give to the poor but won't give to the gospel. I have known people that would start a poor ministry, but they weren't going to give any of their money to the church. That's a wrong relationship with money. They can, people that can give it but want to control it, that's a wrong relationship with money, okay? Uh, like to pay my own way. In other words, can't receive. That's pride. Can't let anybody buy your lunch. Another wrong relationship is with money is when you don't when you out fumble. Now I'll have to explain that. But when you when when you go to lunch and you out fumble them. Now you may not know what that means. But my daddy always said about his brother, and he loved his brother dearly. And uh, uh, but he always said about he said Sam will always out fumble. And when you go out to eat. And what that means is, is they kind of fumble in their pocket with the change, but they just never get their hand out of it quick enough until the bill's already paid. Or they kind of get their bill fold out, and, you know, but they're just, they move slow. They're out fumbling you. That is a wrong relationship with money. You do not, listen, if somebody says, I, let me explain this to you, because I think we need to know. If somebody says, let's do lunch, they mean I buy and you buy. If, the, if they say, I want to take you to lunch, that means they're buying. If they say, I want to treat you to lunch, that means they're buying. Now, that don't mean you can't try anyway. That, mean, that doesn't mean you, should, you can't say, no, 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 I want to sow the seed. See, we should act like we're all so blessed. Now, if you don't have the money to go to lunch and they say, let's do lunch, here's what you say. You, you don't say, well, I really don't have the money. Because then you put pressure on them. Or they're going to embarrass you by saying, okay, we'll do it another time. And that'll embarrass you. What you say is, not today, but I'll call you soon and we'll do that. That's what you say. Hallelujah. But let's go over to the Dairy Queen after church tonight. They mean you're buying yours and I'm buying mine. That's what it means. 
And so, you know, we have to understand these things because we can, we can get people in the church that are, that are moochy. Hallelujah. Now, we all love each other so much that, I mean, we fight. Oh, you, you know, that's what ministers do is fight over the ticket because I want a blessing. You want a blessing. Me and Jennifer, we fought over the ticket the other day. We finally resolved it. <laughs> Next time we'll sow, the other one will sow a seed. Hallelujah. But that has, that's how it ought to be is that we're trying to outgive each other, not seeing, you know, who we can uh, uh, take advantage of. You don't, get in, you don't get asked again if you do that too many times. Okay. Um, hallelujah. Hard to receive gifts or anything from others. That can show up as like you don't show gratefulness. And uh, uh, not free to buy something nice for myself. Can't buy anything for myself unless it comes from Walmart or the thrift store. Or the very opposite well, I couldn't wear anything that came from Walmart or the thrift store. That's a wrong relationship with money. Number, the next one, feel I have to explain my purchases or justify. Now that when I had to say, Lord, I, I feel, sometimes I feel that way. Like I have to explain all my purchases and, and justify them. You know, we don't really owe anybody an explanation except God. And you can't explain it to Him because you won't fool Him. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, you know, and we shouldn't try to fool anybody else. But, you know, we don't have to explain it, but we don't owe them, we don't owe them any, you know, anything. Uh, or have to, or feel like you have to say, I got it on sale to justify it. I, I have felt that way before. Feel guilty about having something, and so you hide it or won't wear it around certain people. And some people make you feel guilty about having something. Some people have a habit of saying, is that new? About everything you walk in the room with. It tends to make you feel guilty. And you know, it's like, no, I've had this five years, but you just feel like you have to explain. No, I bought it three and a half years ago on sale. And uh, you know, hallelujah, just say it's pretty, folks. Or it don't say anything. That's a good thing. If, if it's not pretty, don't say anything. Let, let me give you a little clue here too. Don't say, do you like my dress? You put people on the spot. Don't make people lie. Some people may like it. Some people may not. That's why they got 1,400 different kinds. Because what you like, I may not like. Hallelujah. I asked my husband. Now I did. I said, how do I look? He says, okay. That aggravates me to no end. He said, do I look okay? Well, no. I said, how do I look? He, sometimes I say, how do I look? And tonight I may not have said that. But we, how do I look? Okay. I don't want to look okay. Husbands, that's a little, that may not be a wrong relationship with money, but your wife, I need more feedback. I need something. You know? uh, okay. When you feel guilty about having something. When you feel envious when someone has something new. When you need approval from some, you, you, when you need someone else to like it, you know, really, all you need is for you to like it. If you feel beautiful, you are beautiful. When you can't give approval on something someone else has, you have a wrong relationship with, with things and money. But things, uh, you can't give approval. In other words, I, I just can't say it. That really is a symptom. You're jealous. You can't say, I, you look nice. Um, when you can't make a decision and you overshop every purchase, that's a wrong relationship with money. Now that steps on my last nerve when people do that. 
when you spend $10 on gas to save five. Hallelujah. And you, uh, uh, when you, or how about this? When you shop, 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 shop for a new couch and end up buying nothing, never buying one. Ah, I bet we got a lot of those. <laughs> when you resent stores for making money, that is a wrong relationship. When you resent the government for collecting taxes, you've got a wrong relationship with money. This is the week to talk about that because Sunday is tax day. Hallelujah. And we know that Jesus paid taxes, wants us to. He said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Now, if we don't like how much Caesar's taken, get out, petition. Go to the polls. Stand on the street corner with signs on who you want to vote for. But don't quit resenting the government. You know, a lot of times the people that resent the government for taking taxes want everything free. When you're overly generous to people that God didn't call you to help, that's a wrong relationship with money. For instance, when you help an alcoholic, when sometimes you need to say no, and to kids, you need to say no. Uh, withholding money to manipulate, that's wrong. Giving money to manipulate, that's wrong. Worrying about money, you're, when you worry about money, you're serving money. Uh-oh. Now we all may have to repent on that one. Now y'all all come down up front and fall on the floor. On your face and repent for worrying about money. Say, I will not, I will not. Worry, worry about money. When you beat yourself up over spilt milk, my mom used to say, don't cry over spilt milk. But how many of us cry, oh, I made the wrong decision. Oh, I wish I hadn't bought that. Oh, you know. Or, oh, that cost us. Oh, if I hadn't have done that. And we just will cry and cry and cry over something we can't get back and it's not going to do any good. That's a wrong relationship with money. Not praying about purchases. That's wrong relationship with God and money. When we get in too big of a hurry, we want what we want and we want it right now. When, we're led, when we let salesmen pressure us, that's what they do best. That's what they're in the business for. Miss Billings, what would we have to do to get your business today before you leave this lot? The best answer for that is always leave the lot. Always leave the lot at least once. Not because of the salesman, because that way you get you out from underneath the pressure and let you hear God. And if, if it's gone, I always look like it wasn't supposed to be. If the sale, they, sometimes salesmen tell you, if you don't get it today, the price goes up tomorrow. But it'd be better to be sure and pay 10% more, wouldn't it? Okay, depending on others for decisions so we can blame others. That's what I'm trying to do at the new building. I want somebody to make this decision about paint because I don't want to take the blame. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I, I have been kind of, I'm just teasing y'all. Um, giving to be seen or to buy a place in the church, or buy a place at the Girl Scouts. Buying 100 boxes of Girl Scout cookies so you can be the next Girl Scout leader. It probably won't be that hard. You probably don't need to buy 100 boxes because they're always begging for somebody to do all those jobs. Okay, hoarding. Hoarding. Anybody ever seen the hoarding show on TLC? Is that not sick? You know, it's not just, it's, it's, it's demonic. Those people have demons. 
And I'm, if I test step on your toes, well, I, I'll, I will cast it out of you if you've got that problem. Uh, hoarding anything, money or things. We need to hold all things loosely. We hold our money loosely. It is always available to God. Remember we read that in Timothy. said, he that is rich, uh, that he... Uh, that it says in verse 8 that they do good, that they be rich in good works. They're ready to distribute. Ready. They don't have their money in a CD and it don't mature for five years and we couldn't touch that to give God. No, our money's ready. You know, put it in a CD if God don't call on it, but our money's ready. If you want to be rich in God and you want to be rich like God wants you to, your money's ready and you're willing to communicate or give. And it's ready. And so uh, um, this is talking about that. Uh, hoarding things. You're, you're not, you, uh, hoard, don't have anything in your house that's not loose, 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 loose. Don't have anything that you'd cry and cry and cry because grandma's clock. Well, grandma ain't in her clock. She's not even in her ashes if you have them sitting on your mantle. <laughs> she is not there. And it's like, so what? I, I, now, that's one thing that God has given me and Pastor. We hold things loosely. A great, big, a great fear, a great fear of being taken advantage of is a wrong relationship. Well, that makes you suspicious of people. That makes you falsely accuse people. That makes you jump to conclusions about things. Well, they probably took it. Well, they probably, and then you find it the next day where you put it, you know. Uh, it makes you distrustful. You mistrust people. Okay, so a fear of being taken advantage of. Failure to forgive anything. Forgive anything that was stolen from you, even if you don't know who it was. There's people that are carrying great bitterness towards a person they don't even know. You, can, you don't have to know the person to be bitter in your heart. Real bitter in your heart. So forgive those things and require the devil return it sevenfold. If the thief be found, he's the real thief. If the, He motivated whoever took whatever's yours. So if the thief be found, make him return sevenfold. <coughs> Hallelujah. Blame Anything you're blaming towards God for anything financial, that's a wrong relationship with God and money. If you're overly critical of the poor, you have no compassion. That's a wrong relationship with money. If you have a fear, if you fear shortage all the time, in other words, you have to, maybe you're not a hoarder, but you have to have 10 toothpaste or you have to, you have to store up more than is necessary. Now we store if God tells us to, but you know what I'm talking about. If you can't throw anything away, Maybe you're not a hoarder, but it leads to clutter and it leads to dirty. And anything that's dirty, is the, it, is, it speaks of the devil. Uncleanness speaks of the devil. People that don't take baths, don't shave, you know, that speaks of demonic activity in their life. People wear dirty clothes, men that get up and put dirty clothes on and go to work. Oh, y'all should always put on clean clothes every day. Start the day. Hallelujah. So uh, clutter, clean your house out, be a steward. Don't have a dirty house. It speaks of the devil. It draws the devil. Hallelujah. Hiding anything from your spouse. That's really not good. You don't want any deception of any kind. The deceiver always becomes deceived. Ladies, just get out there and bring it in and take the hit. <laughs> 
not the literal hit, but the 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 word hit made me. He made like, what'd you buy that for? Well, just take it. Well, I wanted it, you know. Hallelujah. Don't hide it. Hallelujah. Overreacting to your, to a spouse's purchases. I'm talking to the men right now. If you overreact when your spouse purchases something, a woman could too. But usually a woman, a man never buys himself anything. He won't buy his own clothes. The only thing he's going to go is a boat or something. And she's going to drive up with a... When he, over, when he buys something, it's going to be big. It costs lots of bucks, isn't it? Yeah. You know. Panicking when you get a bill. If you panic when you get a bill, you don't have the right relationship with money. You don't have your trust in God. Uh, when you dole out money little by little to your spouse, that is really not going to make a marriage. I heard Dr. Phil say this one day. I was listening to him on the TV. In a, I, I, I can't remember, but anyway, I heard him say, uh, when you dole out money to your wife, little by little, $20 today, $40 tomorrow to go to the grocery store, that you're being her daddy, not her husband, her father. And he said this. Now, I'll quote this. Who wants to go to bed with their daddy? That could explain some things. You know, I, I mean, it's true. If he can say it on national TV, but uh, not being diligent with bank statements or financial records. That is a wrong relationship. And you know, you say, well, mine's so messed up, I don't know how to straighten it out. Well, I can tell you how. Take your next paycheck and put it in a different bank and start from scratch. And don't let it get that way. I mean, now, don't leave this one. you got to close this one out and do the proper things. But if you've got one that you, you couldn't go back 10 years in bank statements and try to figure out, you just got to start over. My mother said, don't stop till you find the mistake. I believe that, but she always told me, too, that the mistake is always you. Banks don't make mistakes. Now, she worked at a bank for years and years, but that might have been true in the 60s, but I can tell you it's not true in the, they do make mistakes, they make big ones. They have made several mistakes in the last quarter on mistakes on the church that weren't my mistakes, it were their mistakes. They did correct them. We're glad to know. Thank you for friends at the bank. Hallelujah. Uh, let's see. Uh, being over diligent with records. I have a great example of that. We're fixing to close. Um, I hope. Yeah, we're fixing to close. Being over diligent with records. Uh, I worked at a place, I worked at a cotton gin one time, and uh, the gin manager's wife, she, I was young, married, and so she was going to show me how to do it. So she bought me a little book. It was called an expense book. And so she said, now you need to keep up with everything you spend. And she showed me how she did it. And so she would write down, 4th and 11th gum, 27 cents. 4th and 12th Coke machine, 25 cents. I'm telling you. <laughs> Does anybody here OCD? Are we OCD here? I think we are. All rich people are bad. That's wrong. No, all rich people don't have any compassion. Believing rich people owe you something. That's entitlement thinking. All the rich think about is money. They probably think about it less than the poor. All the rich are snooty. 
That's wrong. I've known some really rich people that were just down-to-earth, down-home country boys. Just, uh, I'm telling you what. So that's not true. All, pe all poor people are lazy. That's not true. Uh, but I would say all poor people usually have wrong thinking. But they not always are lazy. Believing for prosperity apart from diligence. That's a wrong relationship. The Bible says, he that doesn't work doesn't eat. Proverbs 13, 3 says, sluggards, sluggards have nothing, but the diligent are made fat. Fat. <laughs> and that means rich, not heavy. Um, thinking riches will make you happy. That's what all lottery players think. And slot players think and so forth. Poor thinking that poor people are poor because of bad breaks or bad luck. No, they're, sometimes poor people think that about themselves. I'm just poor because I've had some bad rakes and some bad luck. No, they, the Bible says, Proverbs 13, 8, the poor heareth not rebuke. They won't listen. They won't learn. Proverbs 13, 11, wealth by vanity is diminished. He that gathereth by labor shall prosper. <laughs> That's a new way of thinking. If you want to prosper, labor. You know, hallelujah. If you want to prosper, labor. Labor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to think about money and having a right relationship with money. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, for correcting us in our thinking tonight. Lord, Holy Spirit, remind us of these things as we go and, and uh, begin to think in a wrong path. Lord, arrest our thinking and send it to the Word. Send our thinking to the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, as we read the Word. It renews our mind. We thank you, Lord, as we read the Word. Things about finances and things about living righteously and richly jump out at us and transform us. We thank you, Father, for it. We thank you, Lord, for having a right, a right thinking about people. Help us to love our brothers in Christ, whether they're rich or poor. Help us, whether we have lots of money or we're just beginning to increase, to always be willing to give, always be willing to distribute, always be willing to obey you, Lord God, for we know that you are our help. Our help cometh from you. You're our way out. You're our deliverance. You're our peace. You're are our source and we have none other besides you and Lord we won't trust in chariots we won't trust in horses but we remember the name of the Lord our God we put all our focus and all our trust in you and Lord everything we do help us remind us to seek first the kingdom of God and every time we don't then convict us by your Holy Spirit Lord help us to get into a paradigm of prosperity and overflow and abundance and blessing and we will give you all the praise and all the glory and we will keep our heart turns towards you we will not say we got it by the by the work of our, our by the sweat of our brow or that our wisdom got it for us but we know Lord God that we have nothing unless you gave it to us even our labor is because you gave us strength and you gave us breath and you gave us favor and opened a job for us. Lord, we could do nothing without you. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for giving us this attitude towards money. And we do not serve money, but it serves us. And we do not trust in it. Hallelujah. And it matters not to us whether we open our billfold and it says... Uh, $2, or if it says 2000 Lord, we will wake up every day and say, this is the day the Lord has made. And we will have an attitude of spirit of faith, an attitude of blessing. And we will not let money depress us or rule over us. 
In Jesus' name. In fact, Lord, we will not let anything depress us. We will not let anything keep us from your presence and keep us from uh, praying and tithing and giving and loving and serving and, uh, and being in church. In Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. We give you all the praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's give them out envelopes tonight. We're going to receive our Wednesday night tithes and offerings tonight. Hallelujah. And here comes the usher. And uh, Pastor, there's my check. You can just throw it in there. Hallelujah. And while y'all are uh, doing that, we'll just praise the Lord and thank Him that you had a seed to give. And uh, thank you, Lord God, that He's multiplying this seed back to you. Hallelujah. Mm. Praise God quickly and in the greatest measure possible. And let's just thank the Lord that He's multiplying it. When it gets into the church, it's multiplied. Hallelujah. It's supernatural. It really is. When you get it into the kingdom, that money becomes supernatural. Hallelujah. It's just natural. If you take it to Walmart, a dollar will just buy a dollar. But when you sow a dollar, it becomes supernatural. And I want to add on Eric, when he the the harvest that Eric and Colin had, and I'd always told you they had they were just always blessed. It did not come from us. I mean, I we gave them normal birthday money and stuff, but nothing excessive did we give them. It came from the kingdom of God. Sometimes it came from grandparents. I know one time Colin pulled a tooth, and his granddaddy gave him fifty dollars for a tooth, and uh, you know, but it wasn't the tooth. It was the Lord inspiring my dad to just. Uh, to give him money, you know, and uh, but it was it was based on the seed sown. It was based on believing the word and believing believing that seed worked, believing that God was in it. Hallelujah! So it wasn't us. Uh, in fact, we made our boys believe God for themselves. We made them. Uh, they had to get their own vehicles for themselves by prayer or by pay. Get it any way you want to. But we just, for some reason, every time they were needed to buy a car, we weren't in the position to be able to do it. And so they had to believe God. And they never went without a car to drive and wheels and, you know, and I don't know, just supernatural. Both of their colleges paid for. Hallelujah. Just blessed. I want you to get in the, I want you to think about you're the blessed and I want you to just completely sell out to the blessing and God's word on tithing and sowing and everything's turning out amazing. Amen. Hallelujah. little update on the new building. Uh, going good. Changed completely when you said, from when you saw it. Uh, we got rid of that nasty which speaks of the devil and speaks of poverty and speaks of everything else, and we got it so sparkly white and clean and smelling so good, they literally sprayed that thing with kills, enamel kills, not latex kills. They sprayed that kitchen with kills, and they killed it. <laughs> they killed every germ in that place. Uh, hallelujah. It looks good, coming along great. Hallelujah. We're looking at, looking at but you'll get a card in the mail, uh, 29th of April. Possibly to be in there, or maybe kind of halfway in there, but there. Uh, hallelujah. Keeps believing and standing with us that the building is sold. We already believe we received sold. We've been praying for the buyer that he will be supernaturally financed, favor. His financing is easy. His 
Hallelujah. Joey, on Monday night at prayer, he hit the easy button. It's all easy. Hallelujah. Everybody, let's hit the easy button tonight. Okay, amen. Hallelujah. It's easy. Say, it's easy. It's easy. Thank you, Lord. It's easy to obey God. Oh, we want to take them up? Hallelujah. Go ahead and take those up. Yes, it does. And we will. We love you. We'll see you Sunday morning.